Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. Go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to take it back to the Old Testament tonight. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. Book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 1. The title of tonight's message, if you want to, go ahead and put that on the screen, is Weapons and Walls. Everybody say, Weapons and Walls. All right, now chapter 1 of Nehemiah, the Jews have fallen into captivity to Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, and the walls in chapter 1 begin to collapse. Chapter 2, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. Chapter 3, the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt. Chapter 4, the enemies oppose the rebuilding of the walls. And then in chapter 5, Nehemiah defends the oppressed. Now, I just wanted to give you a little backdrop of where we're going tonight. Now we come to Nehemiah Chapter 6, starting in verse 1, here we go. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. Verse 2. So Sanballat, And Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Anno. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged. This is very important right here. You got to get this. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times, they sent the same message, and each time, I gave them the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations in Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report We'll get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. Verse 8, I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. Verse 9, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work, so I continued the work with even greater determination. And I believe that is it. We're going to stop right there in verse 9. The first point that I have for you tonight 
in this busy season that we're about to embark on called the holidays. And it's one thing that Pastor AJ really drills home to us as a staff in our staff meetings is guys in this busy season and things that we have faced in the past up until this moment that we're in tonight is distraction. You have to remain focused. Everybody say focused. First point that I have for you tonight is this right here. Face the weapon of distraction. Face the weapon of distraction. Listen, we can learn so much from Nehemiah and how he handled his enemies. His adversaries, they once again attempt to stop Nehemiah and they send repeated messages over and over and over again trying to take time away from the construction process and to do what? And to have meetings with them. And I love Nehemiah's response. I want to say it again. I am doing a great work and he says, I can't come down. Why should I let good work come to a stop? to come down there and meet with you. What I have put in my hands to is so important that I will not be distracted by something that you deem and want to make me seem that it's important, but it really isn't. So Nehemiah reveals that one of the greatest weapon that our enemy utilizes against us is distraction. And can I tell you this? Distractions are deadly. Distractions are deadly. The enemy uses this against us commonly. You're about to, what do you mean? You're about to finally break through and all chaos breaks out all around you. You ever been there? Come on. You're about to get disciplined in an area and something more important comes along and it takes you into an entirely different direction. You're about to focus on your marriage and then out of nowhere, extra assignments at work, bam, hit your desk. Most of us, we are missing one key component in our lives that would ensure victory for us tonight if we would just grab a hold of it. And that is focus. Fight for focus. We're so distracted that we fail to accomplish a great work. And what do you mean? Some of us, we need to evaluate the tasks that we have at hand. And we need to come to the realization that Nehemiah came to. I am doing a great work and I refuse to start on or give my attention to anything else in this moment. I'm busy working on my marriage. The promotion is just going to have to wait. I'm trying to finish my degree, and that relationship is just going to have to wait. I'm called to serve with the kids. The exciting position in that other area is just going to have to wait. The enemy will use good and godly things to distract us from the one thing that God has assigned to us. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? There's a story about Bill Mazarowski from the Pirates And the famous quotable catcher for the Yankees, Yogi Berra. Anybody ever heard of that guy? During the World Series game, Mazarowski stepped up to the plate and Berra said, hey, you're holding the bat wrong. You've got the label turned down. You can't hit the ball with the label turned down. You need to turn the bat up so that you can read the label. And without even taking his eye off of the pitcher, Mazarowski said to Barra, I didn't come here to read. I came here to hit. That'll preach. I am preaching it. (laughs) 
Your enemy can keep you from hitting if you get distracted into reading. And can I tell you, sometimes sometimes we're not even reading the word like it's our story. Sometimes we're reading the word like it's just ink on a page, like it's a newspaper. And a newspaper, I'm going to be honest with you, it's never changed my life. But this right here has changed my life and is and will always change my life until the day that I pass away and get into glory. Right? Come on, somebody. Like your enemy can keep you from hitting and you get distracted into reading. Some of us would hit a home run in life if we would just keep focused on something for more than one month or more than three months, destroy distraction in your life tonight. What captures, let me ask you this question. What captures your attention and then exposes your heart and your life to defeat? I, I knew it. Not that we do it. This sermon... Not really, Chad, one of them A-mini sermons. It's one of them sermons, Miss Roxanne, where you're like, mm. yep, I'm going through that. Yep, I'm going through that. Yep, I'm going through that. You want me to tell you how I know that? It's because he wielded the sword to me before he ever wielded it to you. See, it's messed with me before it's messing with you. But guys, how am I going to preach something to you that I know is a word from God for you if it's not a word from God to me first? So what I'm doing tonight is I'm not preaching out of my own intellect. I just want to give you a little history here. I'm not preaching out of my own intellect. I'm not preaching out of mere gifting and talent and, and anointing, and all, or yes, the anointing, but all of that other stuff. Tonight, I'm preaching out of, my own, <laughs> out of my own experience and out of my own conviction because I don't know about you, but here lately, I've been distracted. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I've been distracted as a dad. I've been distracted as a care pastor. I've been distracted as a husband. I've been distracted as a football coach. I've been distracted as a lot of things. And you know what? The enemy uses those good and godly things to keep me from being distracted in the secret place to where God is just me and it's you. But listen, in the secret place, in your private prayer time, distractions come from every corner, north, south, east, and west, do they not? So I'm telling you tonight, at work, in the marketplace, wherever you, and you've been feeling distracted, there's a remedy tonight. You got to face the weapon of distraction. So listen, when Sanballat, it's going to get better. When Sanballat realized that he couldn't distract Nehemiah with meetings, you know what he began to do? He began to lie on Nehemiah. You ever been lied on before? Anybody ever misrepresented you before? Hello. Don't point to him. <laughs> Kidding. He spreads rumors that Nehemiah is trying to lead. He's trying to lead a revolt. No, he ain't. No, he's not. He's not trying to lead a revolt. He's trying to get Nehemiah to feel the need to defend himself so that it will get him to refocus his energy and his resources. If the enemy can't distract you with something important, he will distract you by misrepresenting you. He will lie on you. How do you know? Because the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. People will begin to speak evil of your good. That ever happened to you before? 
People begin to misjudge your intentions and your motives. Most go nuts when this happens, and we quit building, and what do we begin to do? We quit building the walls, and we start defending them. And a lot of the reasons that we snap into a mode of defending is because we're offended. Oh, 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 Derek. Get up off of that, Derek. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. The Lord is my strength. Oh, here it is right here. And my defense. Next scripture. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. Next one. My shield is God most high who saves the upright in heart. Next one. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We got another one? Man, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that tonight. Listen, I agree with what Pastor Eddie said either this past Sunday morning or maybe a couple of Sunday mornings ago. I'm not going to put my trust and my worth in my reputation. I'm not going to do that. I put my trust and my worth in him. I don't have to defend me. In fact, he won't defend me if I defend me. Let me say that again. He won't defend you if you are constantly and consistently trying to defend you. You don't need to defend. Your enemies will never buy the argument and your fellow wall warriors knew better in the first place. Distractions have got to be destroyed. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6. Let's go to verse 10. Later I went to visit Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, and the grandson of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home. And he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I will not do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him. Oh, that's important there. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. I feel like preaching tonight on this. Here's the second point for you tonight is this right here. Y'all done got left with the care, Pastor. Y'all don't even know what it's going to hit you tonight. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor AJ, I had to say that, man. Let's go to the next point real quick. The next point is you got to face the weapon of displacement. Face the weapon of displacement. This plant from the enemy, it attempts to get Nehemiah to meet him in a particular areas of the temple that were, you, you read it, that were completely off limits to Nehemiah. And if he had met him in these areas, he would have desecrated the temple and he would have also desecrated himself. In fact, in the King James Version, it says that he would have sinned. The man says, let us meet together in the house of God. And Shemaiah, he knew how to use the religious talk. Oh. Mm. 
He knew, how to he, he knew how to use the religious talk, but it was still a trap. And if Nehemiah believed Shemaiah's religious talk, he would sin and give others something to find fault with and discredit him with. In fact, the last non-priest that entered the temple that was enthroned king at the age of 12, a guy by the name of King Uzziah, after his father died, he got on the throne. Guess what he did? He entered into the kingdom. He entered into the temple to burn incense as a sign of his devotion unto God. 80 some odd priests come in behind him and say, Ho, you can't be here. He get up off of them knees. What you mean I can't be here? Do you know who I am? Pride. Do you know who I am? Offended. Do you know who I am? Distracted. Do you know who I am? I'm King Uzziah. I've built war machines. God has wrought me victory after victory after victory in wars. It's littered throughout the scripture. And that brother died with leprosy and could not be buried into the royal cemetery as his ancestors was. So, one of the real weapons that the enemy will use against you is displacement. He will try to get you to go, listen to me, he'll try to get you, Nick, to go into places and areas and arenas that you aren't supposed to enter, and he will try to get you to exert authority that you don't have. I just graduated Teen Challenge, and man, I feel like Freddie the Flaming Evangelist. I'm going to go into a bar and preach the undiluted word of God. Bad idea. You better know where you're supposed to go, and you better know where you're not supposed to go. And the bar, let me just go ahead and tell everybody, is not a place for us to go. Now, I may sit out on the streets while they're coming out and say, hey, you need a ride? And as we're riding, I'm going to give them Jesus. Nah, never mind. <laughs> That's happened to me before in another life. Other side of the fence, but we ain't going there. So, thinking did you know that he actually I want to be careful with this but did you know that he actually did that to Jesus let me mess with you for a minute while he was fasting he offered Jesus an option to go away that would require less pain and he tries to get Jesus to exert authority he shouldn't exert in that moment in time. Not that he didn't have the authority, but it was not the moment to exert that authority. So let me give you a very practical and common illustration because I thought this one myself. I found myself as a successful 20-something-year-old youth pastor. I youth pastored for 10 to 13 years before I got hired on here. And being used by God, and then all of the sudden, the enemy shows up and he says, man, you would probably be a better pastor than the guy that's pastoring right now. Don't look at me all holy right now, okay? You guys are holy, so you can't do that. But yeah, pride sunk in. And then the Holy Spirit said, I'm about to bring you down a notch. I'm about to remind you where that calling came from. I'm about to remind you where that fire came from. I'm about to remind you where that love, where that preaching ability, I'm about to remind you where every bit of that came from. And he destroyed my pride. He crushed my arrogance. And he said, now I've got you where I want you. 
But it happens in everyday life too. You are anointed and called to work where you work, but the enemy will offer you a promotion that will pull you into a circle of influence that will cause you to fail and fall. Well, the, green, the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, because on the other side of the fence, there's a septic tank, and you don't know it. Right? I wish I could expound on that, but we're going to leave it right there. And I've seen people be victorious over one sin or stronghold and then suddenly faces another area and they refuse to get help because they had an anointing for the first area and they ended up defeated because they were displaced. And let me just go ahead and tell you this. Radical obedience in one area does not dismiss radical disobedience in another area. If you're going to be obedient over here, you better believe that you got to be obedient over here. You got to be obedient into small things, and you got to be obedient into the middle things, and you've got to be obedient into the big things. All of that to say this don't let the enemy displace you from your area of strength and anointing. So the enemy has weapons, and he wants to use them against you. Distraction and displacement go back to weapons and walls. Weapons and walls. However, there are two weapons that you can use against the enemy that I believe that you have to use effectively. And the first weapon is this right here. The weapon of discernment. You have to possess the weapon of discernment. Now, so since distraction didn't work, Sanballat and Tobiah, they enlist a guy named Shemaiah, and they said, we want you to go meet Nehemiah. And he shows up with a, <laughs> he shows up with a thus, Miss Julie, he shows up with a thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, word from God. And Nehemiah, he wields a weapon that is one of the most essential but yet under-exercised gift that every wall warrior must, must they got to possess it and they got to hone it. It's called the weapon of discernment. He sees through the false message and he's saying, listen, what, he, what does he do? And it makes him from making a huge mistake. Keeps him from making a huge mistake. And this is why it is so crucial for you to know the voice of God. Because listen, not everything that is billed as a word from God is a word from God. No, I don't care how anointed or TBN ready it may sound. Oh, my Lord. Sheep has got to know the voice of the shepherd. And I want to challenge you tonight to practice discernment. Pastor AJ tells us all the time, get better at hearing from God. Get better at hearing from God. And you have to be able to hear him, and you also got to be able to stay focused and stay safe. And the last point that I have for you tonight is this. Possess the weapon of display. Possess the weapon of display. Now, Nehemiah, he reports that the wall had been completed. 
in 52 days. Now, get that in your spirit. This wall is going to be built in 52 days. Say, what? This ain't Ronald Frank's construction. What should have taken years was accomplished in less than two months. Four and a half miles of a wall restored from total and complete ruin. Nehemiah defeats his enemy by putting what God has done on display. So when we see God's hand at work, so obviously and magnificently, that sight and display should become a weapon in our hands to teach us that our enemy, that nothing is impossible for us, that why? That when we rely, that we begin to, that we begin to be poor in spirit on God. That is a total reliance on God. That what I have in my spirit is not of my pedigree. It is from God. That what has happened in my life had nothing to do with me. It is from God that once I was lost, but now I am found. That once I couldn't see, but now, but now I can see. That once I was addicted, I was destroyed. And the only thing I can say is God. I have been, listen, and, and I don't say this arrogantly, but I have been this fired up for God for 13 years. And it's got, now I'm not saying that I feel like this every single day, but I try. Every morning when I wake up, I'm like, God, I need your help. I need your help to walk. I need your help to breathe. I need your help to father correctly. I need your help to be a husband. You want to know, well, husbands, you want to know how to love your wife better? Love Jesus more. The more that you love God, the more that you're going to love your wife. The more that you love God, the more that you're going to love your kids. In that order. Living for God is hard. No, it ain't. Let me mess with you for a minute. Living for God is hard. No, it ain't. Not if you're in love. Not if you're in love. It doesn't matter. Any day, any moment, any hour, any second, I would lay my life down for any one of these. And you. You know why that's easy to say? It's because I'm in love. I don't not only love God, I'm in love with God. How many of y'all know that you can love something but not be in love with them? So not only do you need to love God, love is nature, love is precepts, love is power, love is authority, love is love everything about him, but you also need to be in love with him. And don't go looking for manifestations. We are not a people that chase manifestations of his glory. Why? I love the cool stuff. Been around it for a long time. So have you. Seen some crazy things happen. Like I said, I've been a youth pastor for a long time. Went to youth camp for a long time. Seen some crazy stuff up in Camp Jackson, up in Goodlessville, Tennessee. But I'm not in love with that stuff. I'm not chasing that stuff. Because once that happens, we don't chase a move of God. We chase the God of the move. And when you get that perspective right, then he's like, now our love language is correct, and I'm going to drop some cool stuff on you. Are y'all ready? Because sometimes I say that, 
Because sometimes the enemy wants to get you distracted by those manifestations. That if he's not putting on a firework show, he ain't in the room. False. When he's in the room, he is the firework show. Come. <laughs> That's how the fire works. All right. If you're going to clap, clap. All right. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Almost done. Almost done. Got to hurry. And I want to give you some cool examples. Like David, who declares that when he's asked, how could you, how could you possibly take on Goliath? Did y'all know when you were in Like, David pushes the issue to fight this guy. Anybody ever seen the movie Troy? Raise your hand. With... Uh, Brad Pitt, yeah. At the beginning of the movie, comes out of the tent, gets on his horse because nobody wants to fight that big guy. And the boy that wants to give him his armor while Troy's getting up, while Achilles is getting on the horse, he says, I wouldn't want to fight that guy. You know what Troy said? Or Achilles, whatever. Looks down at him and said, that's why nobody's going to remember your name. You know what Achilles knew? He knew the fight that he had in him. He knew who he was as a warrior. We have to know who we are when we face battles. We got to know who we are when we face weapons of destruction that come towards us from the enemy. We got to know who we are. That greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. And we need to remind our enemy of what God has done. This is why Moses told the children of Israel while they were in the desert 18 times, he said, remember, 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 remember. I mean, now I'm thinking of The Lion King. My boys, they just watched that movie the other day, Mufasa. You remember Mufasa is riding on the clouds. Simba looks up at him because why? He needs to remember. What does Mufasa tell him? His daddy, he tells him, remember. I mean, come on. We can learn a lot from the movie The Lion King. Y'all going to go home and watch that tonight when we get out of church, ain't you? Yeah, I know. Honey, ain't you? All right, here we go. I'll probably be at Pastor AJ's office on that one. Like, yeah, you need to quit doing that. <laughs> we have it for We have it for Y'all okay? Everybody good? Let me help you see God's display tonight so that as we square off against the enemy around here, you're going to remember what God has done. Hundreds of physical healings campus-wide over the last six months. And a lot of them has taken place right here in these altars and right there in them seats. All of the Love and Truth campuses are debt-free. Financial breakthroughs, checks in the mail, the offering declarations that we make. That's not just words on a screen. It's our story. It's who we are as a church. It's the Come on now. Coming into 2023, L&T Savannah was averaging 300. Now on a Sunday morning, we're pushing 400. Listen. And it, it, we, we've seen depressed people come back to life through the watery graves of baptism, two of them tonight. Into the water, death. Under the water, burial. Out of the water, resurrection. Are you thankful for the resurrection power of the Lamb of God? I'm talking about the blood we plead over our life, man. It's power. It's what he's done. 
We've seen people living in blatant sin get saved and make radical changes. Hundreds of water baptisms campus-wide. I know of a church that was behind in every financial area that they could possibly imagine, became self-sufficient, paid tithes every month, and somehow gets a $233,000 loan with no history, 8% to 6%. Are you kidding me? We have watched a youth ministry that starting off a couple of years ago was 10-plus kids, now are averaging 50-plus kids every Wednesday night. Are you (laughs) Salvations. So let me ask you this question, Love and Truth Church, Savannah. AJ? This is, the whole, this is what the Holy Spirit poised to me, Jason. Derek, son, why are your expectations so low? I mean, you read stories about me. Some say it's history. That's right. But it's his story. And his story is our story. His victory is our victory. Come on, somebody. His accomplishments are our accomplishments. We win. Part of the Red Sea. Healing the blind. Making the lame walk. Jesus puts his hand on a man and says, can you see? He says, yeah. But I see men walking around like trees. Madison, he said, that ain't normal. Paraphrasing. That ain't normal. Put his hand on him again. It wasn't that the first touch wasn't sufficient. as He was testing him to see, are you satisfied with a half a healing or do you really want the whole shebang? Put his hands on him again and boom, now the man can see. God is doing a great work all amongst us, and we read about that. But my question is, is what the Holy Spirit asked me is, Derek, why are your expectations so low? What do you mean? We can't disrespect God by expecting too little. So tonight, let's raise our expectations levels to an appropriate level. Let's have expectations that are adequate for the ability of our God. We need to wave his display in the face of our enemy. It is a weapon in our hands. Why is it important for us to recount all of that stuff that I just mentioned? Just to remind you that God can do it. He can turn around the impossible. He can speed it up. He can accomplish in one Sunday, which should in the natural take decades. But why? He doesn't work in the natural. He works in the supernatural. And if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. If you don't see it in the, if <laughs> come on, man. If you don't see it in the supernatural before you see it in the natural, you'll never see that thing in the natural that you hope come to manifestation. You've got to see it before you see it or you will never see it. God's doing a work right now. Right now, right in here. He can break a lifelong addiction in one encounter with him around the altar. He can bring a life where there was only death. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep building. Why? He's proven. God has proven that he's trustworthy. 
every time the enemy comes against me, I'm just going to open up the display case of God's goodness and his glory and let the enemy that slinks away in defeat and say, hey, how do you like that? That's my daddy. That's my God. That's my victory. That's my accomplishments. That's what he's done for me. That's what he's done for my brothers. That's what he's done for my sister. It is a weapon. Don't hide the display of God's goodness. Say to your accuser, you thought you had me locked up, but now I'm free. You thought, me, you thought you had me circling around that mountain, encompassing that mountain for 40 years like a portable prison, but one touch from the master, one touch broke me free from that thing that I've been carrying my whole entire life. One touch. And I love to quote, taste, and see that the Lord, he is good. And I always pass right over the sea part. See that the Lord is good. Maybe we need to slow down and see God. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.